You're listening to Bits of Me, the podcast about women's bodies, all the things we should know about them and all the stories behind them. In this episode, I talked to Kat Sansom, whose life was changed overnight when she had a TBT mesh implant to help with some minor incontinence issues. She explains why the common procedure has become so controversial, how countless people's lives have been ruined as a result, and why she started the campaign Sling the Mesh and has spent years fighting for justice. So, uh, if we go back to 2015, um, what was it that was going on with you then that meant that you ended up eventually then being referred for surgery? Do you want to tell me about what you were going through at the time? Yeah, at the time, it felt invasive that I had um, bladder leaks, but they were only with hindsight minor and they only happened really when I was working out so I was uh, a keen boxer I'd go twice a week to the amateur boxing club it was usually when I was doing the uppercuts um, (laughs) and I'd have like a minor leak it wouldn't be like a major accident jumping on the trampoline with the kids jumping around at a gig that kind of thing and of course at the time that felt quite embarrassing Um, but obviously having run the campaign now I can see that actually that wasn't that bad at all yeah. and that could have fixed with physiotherapy but of course I didn't know that so I went to my doctor to uh, because I was aware of this operation I'd heard about it a few years earlier from one of the nurses at the GP surgery mm. so I went back to ask about it and I was referred to my local hospital consultant and the operation was suggested as the the best fix okay. um, and it sounded so easy so simple no risks you know, why not? It sounded almost like, um, you know how you'd go along and have a coil fitted? Yeah. It almost felt a little bit like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't realise how invasive, actually, this procedure was. Mm. And how long after giving birth was this? So I had my babies in 1997 and 2002. And then I had my mesh operation in 2015. So my youngest was 13. And had you been struggling with incontinence all that time and kind of just not bothered going to see anyone? Or was it only towards the end that you had symptoms? Um, I'd say probably on and off. It's probably a classic mum story of three sneezes in a row and I might have an accident the classic jump on a trampoline the laugh way too hard on a full bladder and I'd have a little bit of a leak yeah. do you know what I mean I don't, uh, I don't know if you're aware Kate Winslet um, spoke on the Graham Norton show a few years ago saying that you know two sneezes fine third sneeze that's just the killing <laughs> it's game over and it's your classic mum story so when you when you say was I suffering all that time it was just what a lot of mums suffer actually yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like with every step I took I had a leak it wasn't like in my sleep I had accidents it was just classic I've had a baby and I'm not quite as strong in my bladder as I used to be mm. And so the mesh implant was suggested and it sounded great. Mm. So you decided to go ahead or what happened? Yeah, I did. I uh, decided to go ahead with the operation um, at the start of 2015. And um, a day case surgery, I was told I'd be back at work within a week. There'd be no problems. Um, and as it happened when I came out, I I felt ill Um and I felt wrong, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And, and as the, the evening wore on, and then the days wore on, the, the pain just 
got worse and worse. So it got to the end of the first week and I'm thinking, I'm not getting better, I'm actually getting worse here. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the sort of pain that was so severe and so intense. You know, this wasn't normal pain. It, it, it just triggered real alarm bells because it hurt my legs, my pelvis, my groin. I could barely sleep. I could barely walk my dog. Um, and prior to the operation, I was highboard diving, boxing, mountain biking. Mm. I was really super fit. And suddenly here I was, almost reduced to tears. And, and yet I'd been promised a week I'd be back at my desk. Mm. So you presumably went back or what happened? Uh, the first thing I did uh, was go to Google <laughs> And I typed in um, the name of the operation I had was a TVT mesh, which is the most common incontinence mesh. Yeah. So I literally typed in TVT gone wrong. And that was the jaw drop moment because that's when pages started coming up. Wow. Um, of women who were suffering. I came up with Scottish women who had set up a campaign a couple of years previously. There was a woman in Oxford who'd written a blog and her story was my story. Mm. You know, the fit woman reduced to a wreck. Um, there was a couple of other support groups. And as I sat there, do you know, the most awful feeling I had was I felt so foolish that I hadn't done that two weeks previously yeah. because I'm a journalist. And why hadn't I done that? And actually, do you know, that's one of the most overarching things we get on the support page. People feel really stupid that they didn't research the risks. And what we have to remind them is, but your doctor should have told you of the risks. Yeah. That's their failing. It's not your failing. Yeah. So you Googled and realised that you were far from alone. And at what point did you decide to start campaigning on this issue? So I realised by April... And I pretty much started immediately. I got in touch with a woman that had written the blog. And within 24 hours, she was on the phone to me, um, giving me advice of what to do, what to ask for my GP for, to, uh, what referral to which surgeon to start the ball rolling on that. Yeah. She put me in touch with some uh, other mesh injured women that she knew. And then by the time it got to June the 1st, so that's within a couple of months of having my operation, I'd set up sling mesh. Yeah. Um, and that started with about 20 women. And today it's got more than 8,600 members. And it's not just women, it's also men with hernia mesh and women with hernia mesh. So it's grown exponentially. I mean, considering that you're campaigning on this issue now and have been for a number of years, um, are you able to explain uh, for people who don't know what the mesh implant is and what the issues are? Yeah, so it's uh, a piece of plastic the same plastic used to make drinks bottles, basically, uh, that is weaved into a like a, a, a net. Um, for pelvic organ prolapse, it will be like a, a patch that's um, inserted um, to support a, a pelvic organ that has basically fell and prolapsed down. Yeah. So that could be bladder, it could be bowel, bowel could be womb. And that, that patch holds that organ up in the case of incontinence it's like a a long strip of the same plastic mesh that's inserted using giant hooks through the vagina and threaded underneath the urethra to support that urethra to stop those leaks Mm. now in that particular operation incontinence mesh it's the only operation we are aware of that is done blindly so most operations are either open or they can see where they're going but here it's like guesswork with giant trocars and a bit of plastic yeah. Um, so that that's the, the mesh procedure and what it does. The problems with it is um, 
it can cause it infections from where um, from where it's inserted. The plastic can cause all sorts of autoimmune um, issues. We see lots of fibromyalgia, psoriasis, organs, lots of bizarre skin rashes. The mesh itself um, can shrink, it can twist, it can go brittle and hard. So it's almost like your own personal internal knife cutting into your tissues, cutting wow. into your nerves. It can slice into organs. We have women that uh, the mesh is actually sliced clean through their bladder. They've had to have bladder wow. removed we and bowels removed we've had women that have got stoma bags because they've had to have their bowel removed uh, we have women who the mesh has literally sliced through their vaginal walls and it has cut their partners while having sex i mean this these aren't small injuries these yeah. are life-changing and the key point about it is they are irreversible so yeah. even if you say only perhaps had your mesh in for a couple of months the damage done by those toxins of the plastic by the nerve damage by the removal by the scar tissue that sets off a process of ill health and, mm. and mesh-related illness that doesn't go away for life. Yeah. So I know in some cases uh, the mesh can be removed and in some cases they haven't figured out how to do it. But basically what yes. you're saying is regardless, even if they're able to remove it, you're left mm. with all these potential issues. Yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, very much so. Now I know the campaign that you're running has had some big successes in the last while. Um, and the mesh implant isn't used in the UK at the moment, is it? Well, it's it's a really convoluted mix okay. of what can and can't be used. And it gets quite confusing for people. So incontinence mesh is currently suspended, but surgeons are desperate to bring that back into use. Right. Um, but it can't come back into use until a certain set of conditions are met to try and make it safer for women. Yeah. Uh, so that's incontinence mesh. When we talk about prolapse mesh, the... Prolapse mesh that is inserted through the vagina was banned in the UK, America, Australia and New Zealand in December 2018. So nearly okay. two years ago that was banned. Yeah. But the prolapse mesh that is inserted through the stomach is still used freely around the world. And the crazy thing about this, it's the same prolapse mesh, it's the same patch of plastic... Yeah. It just happens to be inserted through the tummy and not through the vagina. Mm. But it's still causing the same catastrophic injuries. So it begs the question, not just for me, but I'm sure for your listeners of, hang on a minute, how come vaginal prolapse mesh is banned? Because it has such high risk, that's why it was banned. And yet putting it through the tummy is fine. Mm. And I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. So what would you say, what is it that's, resulted in this how have we ended up in a situation where this kind of surgery is used and where there are such immense risks and yet the surgeries are being used on women and men to some extent um mm. anyway all over the world i mean i know it, it's 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 a big question to ask because there's so many threads to it so prior to like the mid 1990s uh the only thing that uh, the pharmaceutical or medical device industry, if you like, could sell to gynaecologists was perhaps some suture kits and scissors. Mm. You know, that's not making much money. Mesh came out in 1996. The first um, type of mesh was made by Boston Scientific. Uh, and other companies could see the big profits that were at stake from this because if you can fix incontinence with a bit of mesh, it only takes 20 minutes to put it in, mm. um, huge profits at stake from these mesh kits. They're sold for about three, four hundred pounds a kit. 
they probably cost five or ten pounds to make. There's huge profits at stake. Um, they, they started to become aggressively marketed. Um, the the risks were downplayed. Studies, scientific studies to support their use, um, used uh, flawed scientific evidence. It didn't ask the right questions to capture complications. Um, you've then got other companies coming in. There's a whole regulatory approval system called equivalence. So instead of if you wanted to bring a new mesh to market, you'd think. Actually, I want to see some human clinical clinical trials here of what you've yeah. done. But you don't have to do that with medical devices. All you have to do is go, do you know what? This is really similar to the mesh that Johnson & Johnson are using. So can I have approval, please? And it's just rubber stamped through. And, and so on that system of equivalence, the first mesh came out in 1996, but it was pulled off the market in 1998. But by that time, a whole load of other companies have bought their mesh in. So all the meshes today are approved on this piggyback system of equivalence. Oh, now, okay. you compare that to medicines and they have to have three phases of clinical trials before they're allowed to be used. Yeah. Medical devices, it's just a quick tick box and there you go. I mean, that is a huge problem. Yeah. Secondly, once they are being implanted into women, there's no follow-up, there's no database, there's no long-term capture of complications, so there's no proof of how bad it is. Mm. And it took us women fighting and actually telling our stories which are hugely embarrassing to have our voices heard and you know there's times you know I've been a journalist all my career but there have been times in this campaign I've been treated like I'm a complete nutcase because in the early days people just didn't know what I was talking about they couldn't believe it was as bad as I was saying it was. Mm. And do you feel that's changing at all have more people heard about it now? Um, to, to, To some extent things are changing and yet in other areas nothing's changed Mm. so the gaslighting and manipulation of women um that's still going on we still have people joining the page saying but i went to see my doctor and he said oh you're reading too much on the internet you're reading too many of those national trashy newspapers um we've had one surgeon he put his head on the desk and started doing this dramatic fist bump on his desk going oh you're another of those sling the mesh women um we have women that are told oh you feel a sharp pain in your vagina it can't be your mesh you must have something else that's sharp up there i mean it, it goes on and on the Mm. the institutional denial of accepting that they've carried out an operation that has messed someone's life up that is rife um there's still no databases even though they're supposed to be doing something the government are supposed to be setting up a patient safety commissioner that's still not happened there's supposed to be a task force um the government are supposed to be overhauling their regulatory body the mm. mhra that's not happening so although we've had this amazing report by baroness cumbridge if that sits in a drawer gathering dust then all of my hard work and all the other women's hard work is is nothing yeah so if you were to guess what's likely to happen over the coming years what do you think the development might be oh my goodness there's there's a dichotomy between what will happen and what I want to happen. Yeah, and you can tell me both if you want. Uh, yeah, I would love to see all these mesh surgeries stopped mm. um, for incontinence. For I mean, the, the, the surgeons argue some cases of pel- pelvic organ prolapse are so severe that only an implant can help support those organs back into place. Mm. Um, 
if that must go ahead, obviously on the page, women don't want any mesh at all. They want it all banned. But if that must go ahead, they have to have fully informed consent, not a surgeon mm. saying, oh, no, you're not having the mesh in the media. This one's fine. I mm. mean, that's a classic. Proper consent with, with a proper outline of the risks that you might suffer if you have this operation. Um, but of course, you can't be in every single consultation process. So yeah. the reality is, a postcode lottery on what women are going to get, what kind of consent process, what kind of information. Yeah. The the reality is I, I don't actually know what's going to happen in yeah. the future. Um, I know that a lot of surgeons are nervous about using mesh now because of all the bad publicity and the mm. campaigning and, and the report, and that can only be a good thing. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it strikes me that hearing what you're saying about what you experienced before the surgery um I know there are a lot of women who suffer with much more severe problems than that after childbirth um but from what you're saying you weren't really suffering that badly uh and then this was suggested to you what's your quality of life been like afterwards um it's it's had a huge impact on my quality of life i've gone from my my standard sunday morning i'd get up really super early strap my mountain bike onto my um, bike rack and drive to grafham water or rutland water uh, and cycle either the 11 miles or the 20 miles round the water i'd then drive back home have a quick shower and go to my boxing class uh, and then go and do the food shop and cook a sunday roast that was my usual sunday mm. now i'll get up and i'll pot around the park with the dog I might come back and have a nap, uh, do a bit of shopping, but my daughter has to come with me to help carry the heavy bags and then I might have another nap in the afternoon. I mean, you know, yeah. that's probably the best example. I can't, I will never run again. I, I can't cycle anymore. I've lost my favourite hobby. Um, that was always my most passionate thing, yeah. cycling, right from a little kid uh, up to now. I was training to cycle the Marin Trail up Snowdon. Mm. You know, I can't even get on my push bike to go up to the local shops. If I do, I have to not sit down on the saddle. Um, a huge impact on my quality of life. And, and the pain is um, undulating. And that's probably true for all women. It's You might have a really bad pain day and then you might be fine for a week. Then you might have a, a, a few bad pain days. And I do have some really okay days and and I still consider myself lucky because I look at some women in the page they're in wheelchairs they're in bed all day they're using sticks to walk they're you know they're suicidal one in 20 on the page are suicidal and you know that's not because they're not coping that's because their life has been ripped away from them Mm. and 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 they signed that bit of paper Mm. do you see what I mean um it's a real head messer for women to try and gain acceptance of how their life has been ruined. Mm. And they're not follow- they're following up women for maybe three months. And actually, some of our mesh complications on the page, five, 10, 16 years, a mesh sliced through the woman's mm. urethra and she'd had a really good outcome for 16 years. And then, bam, that's it, urethra gone and you're rushed in with sepsis wow. 20 and you've got a stoma. Uh, do you know what I mean? That this, it's so convoluted the threads as to how this has gone on for so long and I think what's shocking shocking. I mean I've spoken to women who have um, a range of different health complications where or conditions like endometriosis and polycystic ovary syndrome which are severely under-researched and misdiagnosed a lot of the time all these kinds of issues but it's not like there's this huge Mm. chunk of evidence of look at these women who are being mistreated I mean it feels like in this case there's such an obvious way to just yeah. stop and, and yeah. you know, think about it. 
But but what is so awful, they, uh, when I first started in the campaign, surgeons were going, this is the most studied operation in the world. It could well be, but all the studies are flawed because they, they don't follow up women, they usually follow up women for three to six months. So the flawed yeah. scientific research is what underpins all of this. And the reason why they keep doing flawed scientific research, because you keep coming up with flawed results that shows good outcomes. Mm. It's horrible because it, it's it's mis- it's not just mischief in the science; it's bloody fraud. Yeah, yeah. Did you get any kind of um, sense of being heard? Have you had the mess removed? Have you had any help with this? Um, so I had the mess removed, but as we all say, when it is removed, no one can guarantee it's all gone anyway because uh, uh, fragments can can come off, and you can never guarantee that it's all out. Mm. Some women are having good uh, recoveries, some aren't. It's like it embeds into the tissue. So unlike the coil, which if you're not getting on with it, can just be taken out. Mm. Uh, mesh actually embeds into your tissues it knits in so it's like picking chewing gum out of matted hair Mm. so every single woman's mesh removal journey is not great Uh, so although i've had it removed i I think i said at the beginning of the interview i haven't gone back to the woman i was and i never will Mm. um in terms of support i that's it really yeah (laughs) i have a great gp i have a very supportive gp so if i i need pain medication and stuff then he prescribes it for me but um Yeah, it's mostly I find people land on the support page and everyone supports each other Mm. because actually I think everyone would agree unless you're mesh injured, it's very difficult to understand what it's like. Mm. Uh, And of course, it's a hidden illness and we all know how difficult that is for other people to understand chronic pain and hidden illness. Um, mm. Do you feel at all hopeful Um, or how do you feel when you think about everything all of this what for me personally it was a I suppose generally what's your main feeling after everything I mean you're still campaigning obviously yeah 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 yeah. my do you know my um my main feeling is honestly overwhelming sadness Mm. that so many lives have been royally trashed Mm. and so many women you know, young, vibrant women with with healthy lives, and and some of them very small children, who who are now having to register their children as their carers. I mean, how can yeah. you compute that from a day case operation? An additional layer of sadness because I see that the mesh is now being pushed into India, um, uh, third world countries, Africa, uh, Japan, which isn't a third world country, but obviously they're not going to be able to read english reports if they google mm. up their operation they've had um so it's spreading and it's being used more yes. widely than before yes wow yeah because they're seeing that there's going to be probably less use in europe and america because mm. more and more women are, are hearing about the complications and are saying do you know what i don't want that operation so actually they're thinking okay let's go to india then let's go to africa then mm. that i can't tell you how much Hmm. I'm so sorry. It that is. one really makes me cry. Yeah. Because I know how difficult it is for women in this country to be heard. Mm. And they have the internet and they can have a chance of going to the NHS and getting their pain medication. But what if you're a woman in a in a remote part of the world? in a little African village or whatever, you're not going to get your pain meds. And honestly, it's not the pain that you can just knuckle down and, and man up. Mm. Oh, 
I try not to think about it because I would never sleep. Mm. And I do my best to try and raise awareness, but it's awful. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you do a lot. You really do a mm. lot. It's There are other people who shouldn't sleep at night. Yeah, there are yeah. other people who shouldn't sleep at night. Yeah. And actually, I would say... I've channeled, hang on, let me take a sip of my cream soda. (laughs) That's a good idea. That is so bad for you, but it's so good. (laughs) Tesco cream soda. (laughs) It's it's like 70s in a tin, honestly. Mm. (laughs) I would say, I um, probably the best way to describe it, I've channeled my anger into positive action is probably the best way of describing it. And some people can't believe that I just don't take payment for what I do. They can't believe that I've put mm. these hours in mm. without any payment. And I really haven't. It, mm. It's because it's cathartic. Mm. I really enjoy turning scientific evidence into easy to understand little pieces on the Facebook posts yeah. or on Twitter. I enjoy helping to... Um, empower women to maybe feel confident enough to challenge their MP, challenge their doctor, challenge the sur- surgeon, and just sharing that information so that women feel empowered. I mm. think that's very cathartic for me. Mm. That was Kat Sansom on Bits of Me. If you're as outraged by what you've heard as I am, Follow Sling the Mesh on Instagram and its Northern Irish equivalent, which is at Sling the Mesh NI underscore. They're both on Twitter as well at Sling the Mesh and Sling the Mesh NI. Amplify their message by sharing their posts and helping them to put pressure on decision makers and medical professionals. Bits of Me is on Instagram at Bits of Me underscore podcast and on Twitter at Bits of Me underscore pod. Please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as it helps others discover it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.